Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. Henry Lopez here with you, and my guest today is Dan Metters. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Henry. Thanks for having me on, brother. Looking forward to this. This is a new topic for me, something I don't know much about. So today, we're going to chat about Dan's entrepreneurial journey, how he got to where he is today, which is that he has built a very successful Amazon wholesaling business. And so we'll chat about that, how he got there, and also that what he does now, which is to teach others how to build your own Amazon wholesale business. So it's a topic we've never had on the show before, so I'm looking forward to this. And if you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including the links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Dan Metters is a multi-million dollar Amazon seller and the co-founder of the Wholesale Formula. That's what they call their, their approach to wholesaling on Amazon. He's going to introduce that on the show today. Uh, he has mastered the Amazon marketplace. He's grown his own business to over $17 million in sales. He's passionate about sharing his knowledge with others, so that's one of the reasons he's here on the show today, uh, people who are just as driven as he is. Dan and his team of experts now dedicate their time to teaching others how to grow and scale their own wholesale-based Amazon business. Dan's students have ranged from those with little or no Amazon experience, like me, to Amazon veterans who are able to take their business to the next level. Under Dan's guidance, students of the Wholesale Formula have collectively sold over half a billion dollars worth of products on Amazon, and he's here with us today to share some of those insights, some of those tips and techniques that are part of the Wholesale Formula. Dan lives in Corbin, Kentucky, and so once again, Dan Metters, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, brother. So Corbin, Kentucky, that's in the middle of nowhere from my perspective, Oh, your perspective's absolutely correct. I'm pretty sure that uh, we have more cattle than people in this local town. So, yeah, it's definitely out there in the uh, uh, kind of middle of nowhere, but it is beautiful. Did you grow up there? Yep, born and raised. Wow, amazing. And so, you know, this is one of the, the beautiful things about online virtual businesses is you had you didn't have to move if you didn't want to. No, that's, you know, that's, that's right. Um, and, you know, as we, as we get into it, I've, I've, I've tried local businesses before and, and it was one of those things that we ran into as a real problem just because of the lack of foot traffic. So, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, online business has really uh, created a lot of opportunity for me, for sure. No doubt. So you studied, if I got it right, history and political science in college. Is that correct? Yeah, originally I was going to be a lawyer. Ah, um, okay. So, yeah, you know, that was, uh, I, I, I was, my, I did all my undergrad work in, in history and political science, and that was my dream was was, was originally to be a lawyer. And then, uh, you know, eventually I got started with uh, a company that sold online. It, you know, it was a, a company that sells toys and games. Um, and I just fell in love with, with the whole online dynamic, right? Like mm. just the fact that you can connect with people um, with, without having them having to walk into your store, just being able to, to you know, actually go out and find customers. So I was, when I, when I first got started in that business, I just, I, I truly fell in love. Yeah. How many years were you there at that business? I know that's, you'll tell us the story of leaving there to start your own business, but how long were you there as an employee? Uh, I was, I was there, I think right at six years. Okay. And was that, was that your big first job out of college or tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, that was my only real job ever. You know, I had, I had a couple jobs in college, like, um, you know, doing work study and I, you know, I've had the, uh, the, the McDonald's and, 
uh, well, I worked at a Wendy's once for, for, you know, a few weeks when I was in high school, but past that, I mean, yeah, that, this was my, my, my first job and, and only job. Yeah. Did you back then, did you have aspirations to start your own business? Uh, definitely not when I started there. I, I think it was kind of like the furthest thing from my mind. Um, when I, you know, when I, when I was just starting out, like I, I didn't, to me, originally owning businesses was, uh, just something that wouldn't be possible for me. So yeah, I'd never really considered it until kind of the, the latter stages of when I was employed there and um, I had really kind of kind of got to help that company and, and, and see that company grow. Why did you think it was probably not possible for you? Uh, ultimately, you know, I, I did grow up uh, pretty poor um, and uh, I just had that, I, I had that mentality. Uh, you know, my, my, my parents were, my mom was a teacher uh, before she uh, didn't, she eventually went and worked uh, through a government agency that, that, that helped farmers locally. Um, and, and my dad was a, was a teacher as well. Like, you know, they just, they, they weren't uh, very much toward, they didn't have the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, so it was pretty ingrained to me to, to go to college, get a, get an ordinary job. Yeah, I was, I'm assuming it was probably seen as very, very high risk and not something that you could afford to do. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So tell us the story of, of you're at this, we're at this job, you're doing fairly well there. You're, you're enjoying it. I think the work for the most part, you're doing something that's interesting. And then I think it was your CEO that came in one day and resigned. And, and that's where the story begins, I believe. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of just like a, a crazy story, right? Um, here in Kentucky, there's not a lot of six-figure jobs. There's not a lot of high-paying jobs. And the, it was the CFO of our company. He came in okay. and um, one day he just, he, he gave his notice and it was like, hey man, what, you know, what's going on? Like, are you, where are you going? And he said, no, I'm just, you know, realistically, I'm making more money selling on Amazon than I do working full time. And I was like, sell, you know, what do you mean selling on Amazon? Like, you know, like eBay or something? And he, was, he said, yeah, you know. Uh, he said, it's a bit different because you can send the stuff in and, and they'll fulfill the orders for you. Hmm. And this was, this was in 2011 and I still didn't really understand it. And I, you know, I was like, Hey man, would you, would you kind of give me, show me what you're showing what you're talking about? So after work, he took us to, to Walmart and ultimately he was doing a model called retail arbitrage. Right. And what that is, you know, for the, for the people who don't know in, in your audience is it's going into a big box store, uh, finding a product purchasing it and then taking it and selling it for a higher price online. Um, and, and, you know, so the first product we're sitting here looking at and he's like, you know, this is one I buy all the time. <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, you know, we, we, sh we scan it with our phone and it says it's $16 on Amazon. I'm sitting here looking at it and it's $2 and 87 cents on the shelf. Wow. And I was like, Hmm. I, you know, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't, I it didn't, it didn't seem like that, that, you know, it, why, why would somebody pay $16 when I can literally buy it for $3 right now from Walmart? And I know that there are Walmarts everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I asked him that and, you know, I was, I was like, Andrew, you know, what's, why, uh, why, why, why would anybody buy that? And he, you know, it's pretty simple explanation. It was, if your kid really, really wants this and you go to your Walmart and it's not there, what do you do? Mm. You go find the, you, you go find it and you pay what it takes, right? If, if, if that's a say a birthday present or something like that, that really means something to your kid, you just, you just go do what it takes. And I was like, wow. So yeah, I mean, I guess it could. So we ended up, he's like, you know, you can, you can buy those and, and, and sell them and see how it works. So that ultimately that's what we did. We bought, you know, we bought those Disney cars that night, bought like 10 of them. Wow. And so that got you started. Did you then, you, I think it was you and Eric, is that right? You're, you're, you work with you and your friend as well. You both started this together? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so we sent those first Disney cars in and they sold literally the first day they were there. <laughs> like the first day they hit Amazon's warehouses, they sold and we were like, whoa, this is super crazy. And that's all it took to, to get us, you know, we, to get us the bug or to like really, you know, want to go out there and do it. So uh, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Eric had pretty, pretty terrible credit. I had uh, no credit and we had a, so we had a $600 credit card to get started. Wow. Um, and we got started, I think it was maybe June or it was either June or July of 2011. And 
um, by December, we had done 50, like in December, we did $50,000 in sales. Wow. So, you know, just, you know, starting with that little $600 credit card, uh, going out, buying product, uh, taking it, shipping it in, selling it, rinse and repeat that process literally as many times as we could. Wow. And, you still had your day job, obviously. Yeah. But it was, uh, you know, every night and every weekend, we were literally out uh, just shopping in stores or shipping product. Like it, would this have been a real or perceived conflict of interest for your employers or, or not? Uh, at the time it, you know, it, it was definitely probably per, perceived as a conflict of interest. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if it was real, you know, if it was, if it was real or not, but right. Right. You know, it could have been for something sure. you, did you keep it to yourself? I'm just curious. Cause I, you know, I went through that same thing of having a side business and it, I paid the price for sharing that at work. I'm just curious as to how you handled that. Ultimately, I, you know, I did, uh, at first I did kind of keep it to myself, but I did share it. And I think that did, you know, it, it did lead to, to a lot of pressure on me um, uh, from, from the management team there. So yeah, and I, you know, ultimately I don't, I do think it probably did cause me some problems. Yeah. So how long before then you guys left your job? Did you both leave at the same time? Tell me about that. Yep. I left, um, I left in December uh, of 2011. Um, and then Eric came and joined me in January of 2012. So it took him, uh, you know, it just took him a few extra weeks to, to really get behind the decision. And, and for what it's worth it, I'm pretty sure ultimately at the time it was probably a terrible decision because number one, um, you know, December sales are amazing because it's December, right? Sure. And, and, you know, but, but realistically we didn't have the track record to, to say that we should have quit our job at, at that point or, or, uh, so, you know, I, I it did take him a, a couple extra weeks, but, but realistically I understand that. Looking back at it, would you have done it differently? Um, no, I, I mean, there's the, you know, there's the whole thing, right? Like whenever you, uh, I, I've, I don't know if we would have succeeded the same way if we would have. Um, I think it would have been probably smarter to, to wait a, a little bit longer, but there's something about, you know, if you're, if, if you really want to succeed doing something, giving yourself uh, no other options, I, you know, there's the, the whole Tony Robbins burn the boat speech. And it, it I think, it, I think, you know, that definitely played some level of played into to how well we ultimately did. And it's because you don't, you know, we, I was willing to, when I didn't have another option, I was just willing to work way, 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 way harder than anybody else I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Why did you decide to partner with Eric or whomever? In this case, it was Eric, but why did you decide to go the partnership route versus doing this on your own? Ultimately, I've always kind of just believed in the idea of partnerships, you know, and uh, that they bring out the best in, in people. So ultimately I felt like, uh, uh, Eric would, Eric was one of the people that would, would help bring out the best in me. But more importantly, I mean, for me, it was early on, you know, I, I wanted the moral support to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big part of what we get out of partnership. There's no doubt. How did you, in the early days, did you guys talk about who's going to do what and understanding what role and, you know, to avoid the, the problems that can come later, uh, did you spell all those things out or have those conversations or just went into it blindly? Uh, ultimately, we, we went into it blindly and I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the right way to do things. But um, for us, it was, it was, you know, crafted around our friendship first and um, it, it's worked out really well, but I don't, you know, I, I think in, in most cases, people should probably exercise more caution there and really define those those roles. Why does it work so well between you guys? Uh, because, because we're friends first and ultimately we trust each other. Like that's the thing is I've known Eric um, probably for, you know, at least 20 years, if, if not longer. So it's not like, um, I, you know, I have, a, I have a real history with the guy. So I really understand him. I understand his, his philosophies and things like that. And I, I do respect it. Yeah. All right. So on the website, there's a, I think I found this on the website. There's a quote that says, quote, from the beginning, we set out with aspirations of a perpetual motion business, leveraging wholesale and have been able to accomplish just that. End quote. What do you mean by a perpetual motion business? What does that mean? 
Uh, it, well, it's interesting because I, I think you know that's a that was that was an Eric quote, but I love the quote, and it's you know he he loves the he loves the 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 saying perpetual motion, and, and it's just because you know when you think about that, it's something that doesn't require continual work to to go on. Um, and ultimately, I think that's the dream for every business, right? Is is you want a business that you don't that that doesn't stop working when you stop working. Okay, and it kind of builds on its momentum and it starts to do things without you having necessarily to be there to push all the buttons every day. Is that is that part of it? Exactly. No, I mean that's exactly it. Is it, it, you know it's a scalable um, living entity without you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right, so. You started that business at that time. Were you married? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was so I'm just curious. You had not had aspirations before about being your own boss. You kind of had negative thoughts about it, as it turns out. Um, what, what was the thought from your spouse? I'm assuming you all were on the same page about you taking this. What was at the time, no doubt, a pretty big risk. Oh, it was a massive risk. Um, yeah, we. You know, we. Ultimately, my wife was my my wife was really really supportive person. But you know, whenever we uh, whenever we I I didn't really talk to her about the the whole decision. I was really sold on the business, and I was really passionate, and I, I believed in the business. So I, I kind of uh, quit before <laughs> I really told her that I was going to quit. And oh you know, again, this is a terrible idea for most people. <laughs> like uh, this is a terrible idea, but. Uh, she didn't like it, and she was really scared at first, like she should have been, like any any normal person would have been. Uh, right. But ultimately, she did, uh, uh, you know, she did believe in me, yeah. and it did it did work out. So, what do you enjoy now about being your own boss? Uh, the freedom. It's always, you know, that's that's kind of the thing I think most people get lost in, right? It's trying to decide what they really, really want. And, and you know, it, we, we kind of sell ourselves behind the idea of money and things like that. But really, it's, it is, it's freedom. It's the ability to go and be where I want to be when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for me as well. When you look at you personally, your your personality, your characteristics, what's one or two things that you think have attributed to your success in this business venture? Uh, take a lot of action. Um, I think, you know, with any business, that is the real separator for people are, are the people who take action um, versus not. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy action. It's, you, you, you see it whenever I quit before I was ready. I, you know, I quit before I really talked to my wife about it. And like those things seem insane to most people. And I agree, they probably are. But uh, that's just indicative of the you know the level of action that that we're willing to take. We have a we have a a saying in the office, and it's you know you don't know what you look like until you get your picture took. <laughs> and that's you know that's that's an ode to the amount of crazy situations that we put ourselves in. Like we really believe that uh, you know success starts where the comfort zone ends. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Great. Thanks for sharing that. All right, let's let's dive into it now. That the topic of Amazon wholesaling, and why don't we just have you introduce? I think I know what it means, and I know it has evolved for you through these three kind of primary or, or basic stages, if you will, starting with retail arbitrage and then moving on from there. But generally speaking, what is this business that we're talking about? You described the example of this of it of it obviously of buying an item at, at Walmart at a lower price and then selling it at Amazon. Describe it for us, though, in a nutshell, what, what we're talking about here. Sure. No, I mean, um, with, with wholesale, it is working either with a distributor or wholesaler or directly with the brand owner to be purchasing products in wholesale quantity to, to sell on Amazon via the retail model. So we're technically retailers um, in, in that we, you know, we sell to end consumers but we purchase products uh, directly from the brand or directly or from directly from uh, distributors or wholesalers. And these distributors, wholesalers, brands will sell you these products at a wholesale price because you prove to them that you've got a channel, you've got an audience, you've got a retail presence, if you will, virtually. Is that right? Correct. You know, that's the, you know, that's the litmus test for, for businesses to work with you is that you, 
that, that you are a real, are a real business and you do have an audience to sell product. Mm -hmm. From a business model perspective, from your perspective, what, what are some of those, I can think of some of the obvious ones, but what are some of those benefits to this model as opposed to, let's say, you making your own widgets that you're going to sell? Oh, there's a ton. You know, it's uh, the things I love about this bottle are, uh, number one, uh, replenishability, right? And it's when I start carrying SKUs. I, I carry the same products for a really long time. So I don't have to continually go out and look for new products um, uh, to, to be able to, you know, grow, to be able to grow. That's that, that's ultimately how I grow. But, but, you know, just to maintain business, I don't have to, to really add much to it. Um, the, you know, as far as uh, another thing I, I really love about it is the fact that, you know, all the products that we're purchasing are proven, right? Like mm -hmm. I, you know, you, you mentioned the, the kind of that private label idea of creating your own widgets and stuff like that. Well, you know, that idea is fantastic when it works out, but when it doesn't, it, it, it's very difficult. And the, you know, the complexity behind it is you have to create a product that, that, you know, didn't necessarily exist before, particularly under your brand. Um, then you have to drive traffic to it and then you have to hope it sells. Right. And if it doesn't, you're in a lot of trouble, but you know, with us and, and wholesale, the products that we purchase, are all proven. I mean, you know, these are all products that have been selling for years potentially on Amazon already and have established sales history. Yeah. So uh, it's that. And then the, you know, the last thing I, you know, I, I, I just truly sells me on this model is the absolute scalability, right? Uh, you can do it at any level. Like we have students that are, you know, still doing it out of their house that uh, do, you know, several million dollars in sales and, uh, make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in profit. This just, you know, from their own house. We have other students who have, you know, larger setups with uh, warehouses, employees, and things like that. But this model is completely scalable and outsourceable. You know, despite our business growing, like over the past year, and, and or over the past, I guess, two or three years, we've worked less and less. Um, and, and that's because, you know, we can outsource and automate almost every single aspect of our business. Hmm. And then, of course, part of it is the, the role that Amazon plays, at least from a fulfillment perspective, right? Oh, I, you know, for, for us, this, all this wouldn't be possible necessarily without Amazon. Right. There, there's just too many moving parts. Like in college, um, I had a, a fairly decent eBay store. Like, I, you know, hmm. I just I did the whole side hustle of, of selling uh, video games on eBay. And, you know, even just trying to, to manage that was a beast. Like, it, you know, there was a lot, we, I had a lot of orders and, and stuff like that. And just trying to, to manage the shipping and customer service and all those things that are involved with an e-commerce business makes it really rough. You know, Amazon really has changed the world in the way, you know, in, in that capacity. They've made uh, online business accessible to, to basically anybody. At this point at where you guys are with wholesaling, do you even touch the product at all? Like even returns, do you, do you touch the product at any point in the cycle? No, no absolutely not. Um, you know, it's, we have a prep center that, that is able to ship our products, any of the products that we, uh, we sell uh, that require prep, like, you know, if it were a glass item, it needs to be bubble wrapped or something like that. And our, our brand, you know, the brands that we work with would ship that to our prep center and then they ship it to Amazon. This is your, your facility. Is that, was that what you're telling me? This no, the, center? no, it's a, it's a third party facility. It's a third party. Okay. So you've, you've, you've paid for that service to prep it if it requires it. Correct. And then it goes to Amazon. Um, or the, or the, you know, the, the brands that we work with either do that or they just ship it direct for us. Got it. So in the instance that, you know, it doesn't require prep or, or something like that. Uh, for Amazon, they're able to just ship that directly into our Amazon account. Okay. And then returns, does Amazon handle that as well? How does that work? Uh, correct. So like, you know, if a customer returns a product to us um, on Amazon, they, they ship it back to the Amazon fulfillment centers. And then you can either dispose of the product through Amazon's uh, service, or you can, you know, what we do is we either dispose of it there um, or we, uh, send it to a liquidator who, who buys all of our returns. I see. I see. And then hopefully you get something on the dollar for that. Yeah, for sure.
If I'm starting today, for me to jump into wholesaling like you're doing it, that, that's not easy, right? Is that, so is that why most people start with some type of retail arbitrage and move up from there? Is that fair? Or do you have students that start right at a wholesale business? I think that it's, uh, it, there's misconceptions around it. All right. Like, you know, for example, whenever we got started with retail arbitrage, we were terrified. Like, you know, we always wanted to create a business that worked for us. Like, and we didn't do it originally. You know, whenever I was working retail arbitrage, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. And it was, you know, shot, you know, we don't have, the closest target to me is an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. So like we had to literally drive, you know, all over the place just to find products. Yeah. Um, and, and that wasn't our goal, but even to us, um, wholesale just seemed like it was something that, that, that was impossible. You know, even at the time it seemed impossible. Like we had heard of these crazy big orders, you know, $30,000 minimum orders and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, why would anybody want to work with two, you know, two guys, uh, working out of an office in, in Corbett, Kentucky that, you know, what, what, what made us appealing that, so it was, it was, you know, that whole imposter syndrome and just not understanding that, uh, there are vendors who can work with us. So we, you know, it's the same reason we didn't get started in wholesale is I think it's intimidating, but yeah, absolutely. Now that I understand wholesale, I think it's probably, um, it's, it's just a more efficient and better way to start, um, versus retail arbitrage. Unless it's, you know, unless it's one of those things like retail arbitrage is really, really fun, right? Like if you're doing that as a hobby and just making extra money on the side, like by all means, I think that's a great model for what it is. But if your goal is to create a, a long-term business, I think wholesale is just a better model. And I don't think it's, it's any harder to do. So is, is going the retail arbitrage route first uh, a good place to learn or is it doesn't really help you to get ready for the wholesale business? Yeah, I don't think it really, you know, I don't think it really helps you learn. Like as far as learning Amazon, I mean, you're, you're going to be learning uh, the intricacies of either as you're going along, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it, it, with, with um, retail arbitrage, I think it's a great way, you know, if you, if you're short on capital, I think it's a great way to generate extra money. Okay. You know, that's what it is, is it's a, it, it's a, it's a, a cash creation business. Right. And it definitely probably a side hustle because again, it's a, you, every day you got to make the donuts of you. Oh, you got to go get more product and you have to physically go do that locally sourcing it somewhere typically. Right. 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 You know, that's that, I think the, I think a lot of the appeal for, for, for me and for, for retail arbitrage is that kind of like treasure hunting aspect. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as being a more efficient model, I mean, you know, that's the thing about wholesale, right? Is we've had we've had students who had never sold a single item online, not a single one, and within three months had a successful wholesale business doing you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars a month in sales. Mm-hmm. And so this is what prior to that they had no online presence, no community, no blog, no following. Is that what you're saying as well? Correct. So it's, you know, you know, as far as being able to just pick up and start, I don't think uh, one's necessarily any harder than the other. It's more just, you know, getting, I, I think it's more important just to get started if you're, if you're passionate about selling online. Okay. All right. So Dan, introduce, if you will, for us, like we've mentioned it and you've mentioned it, the wholesale formula. That's what you call your, your approach that you teach and that you use. Introduce that if you would. Uh, yeah. So what we did, it, it, I can, I can kind of introduce it, it with a little bit of a backstory. Perfect. Um, whenever we first got started with wholesale, we, we did it the same way everybody else did, right? We uh, Googled wholesale and we found those giant list of wholesalers and we contacted them when we got the catalogs, those big old massive catalogs full of products. And we would flip through and, you know, sit there and go through them all day long to find like one or two products that, that we made very marginal money on. Uh, so it was just pretty much a, a miserable experience. And how were you back then? How were you picking the product? Was it, I'm sorry, I'm thinking part of it was minimum order was, was one of the characteristics, but what were you looking for then? Uh, just items that, that sold well on Amazon with, with any kind of margin. Um, basically I, you know, that was, that was our requirement, just having good margin and, and sold well. Like we didn't want to create listings. We didn't want to drive traffic because number one, we didn't have those skills. And number two, it takes, you know, that's an investment, right? Right. Right. Like we were short on capital. So I needed to be turning money. Um, 
So why did you pick these lower margin items then? Because of the quantities of the order or what was the driver then? Well, no, I mean, I wasn't picking lower margin. I like, you know, like I was said, I would just go through and be able to find, you know, one or two items in these, in these giant catalogs. And this is, yeah. uh, then we tried, uh, another strategy. We tried to go to uh, events and shows. Okay. And, and both of us are pretty introverted guys. So, uh, that didn't work out very well. And, and when the first event we went to was, let's say at Steve, we just ended up losing a bunch of money because we, we put pressure on ourselves to buy product. I see. Even though, uh, even though you know, th in retrospect, if we had been sitting in front of a computer, we definitely wouldn't have made that decision. Um, Interesting. So, you know, our first two attempts, like real attempts at wholesale, were just complete and utter utter failures. And uh, you know, so our model is a bit different. And uh, what we do is we work directly with brands, right? And one day I was sitting in front of a computer and I was talking to Eric, and I was like. I was like, man, I don't know why I can't just carry this product. This is the product I want to carry on Amazon. I don't know why I have to call all these distributors and see what they have and see if it's good. Like, I just want to be able to sell that product. And he was like, well, maybe let's just reach out to them and see, you know, which uh, distributor carries the products. And we ultimately called them and they were like, yeah, man, we could just sell directly to you. And that was the, that was the like light bulb moment that changed our lives in terms of wholesale, right? Is realizing that we could call a, a call a brand directly and that they would potentially work with us. Um, so after that, like that, that, you know, that's where the big shift in our business started. We got started with wholesale, but then we ran into another big problem. And this is where our model is, has formed. And, and I think ultimately the thing that makes it successful, it's like that secret sauce, right? Um, we, after we started doing this for like a couple of weeks and we were reaching out to all these brands trying to set up accounts, we realized that, you know, brands don't really have any incentive to work with you. Like if they've, uh, you know, it doesn't change their sales. Like me having me buy and sell their product on Amazon, the same amount of sales is going to happen on Amazon regardless, right? Well, yeah, and beyond that, Dan, I got to think it's almost like less cost effective. Why do I want to deal with this guy who's moving, you know, a couple thousand units when I can, you know, there's, I got, I have partners that are moving hundreds of thousands of units. Why, why do I even take your call, right? Right, exactly. It's that, you know, that's the whole problem. Um, so one of the things that we realized is, you know, we didn't have the money to, to talk with our order, right? Like I couldn't be like, well, I can just place this massive order. Sure. Like I can't just grow more money overnight. Right. Um, so one of the things that we really dialed in uh, and, and focused on was just helping brands manage their Amazon presence. And it's, you know, wherever we saw weakness, because that's the one thing at the time we knew, right? Like we'd already been selling on Amazon for three or four years. So I know what makes an Amazon listing good. Like I know that you need great pictures. I know that you need, uh, you know, a good strong description. I know that, you know, you need bullet points that describe the product to the customer, like all those fundamentally small things. And while I couldn't offer these brands, um, uh, you know, gigantic orders, what I could do is I could tell them about their Amazon presence and how to make it better. So whenever we would call brands, it would be like, uh, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I'd love to set up an account with you guys. Uh, and, and help, you know, help you guys on Amazon specifically, like here's some opportunity that you're missing. Um, you know, I, we could introduce better pictures and that's going to increase conversion and ultimately help you get more customers on Amazon. What, what type of brands are we talking about here in the early days, Dan? I don't know if you want to share a specific name, but what, what are we talking about? What type of products are we talking about here? It was crazy because it was like, you know, for, for us, it was literally whatever we could get behind that would make money. And it was uh, the first product I ever carried was a blood test. And it was, uh, that was the very, our very first wholesale product was a blood test. Uh, the second product that we carried was um, a, a supplement for mountain climbers. Um, and we've carried literally everything. I mean, we've carried uh, sexual wellness products. We've carried uh, just anything that we can make money with, honestly. And then at least initially, Dan, were these what you would consider smaller brands that that probably don't have, you know, like if we look at, I'm just throwing out a name. If we look at Nike, they might scoff at the idea that you're going to know better how to market on Amazon than they do. Maybe that's not true, but I'm just saying these smaller brands, were they more receptible, receptive rather to this idea of, we're going to better market your particular or this particular product that you make on Amazon. 
well, it's, you know, they are more receptive, but it's not, it, you know, I, I'm not worried about somebody scoffing at me. Like I, it, it's kind of, you know, you get over that once you, once you, you know, you're in sales long enough, but. Um, right. But, 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 but don't, but that closes the door also. I mean, you, were you going after you identified first, I'm suspecting on Amazon, this product would sell a heck of a lot better if it was better marketed on Amazon. Is that fair? For sure. But you, okay. you know, for us, it's about, you're right. We do work with smaller companies, but it's, it's more about the idea that, you know, those changes that we're making on Amazon just matter more to them. Sure. Like I want, sure. I, I want to be in alignment in that I want the help that I can offer you to actually matter. Like if I can help an Nike improve their sales on a listing, you know, 15 or 20%, you know, maybe that's a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000 in sales. They don't care about it. You know, that, that doesn't even really hit their, hit their bottom line. Right. Right. Like that doesn't, that doesn't move the needle for them. But if I'm talking to a brand that employs eight people or 10 or 15 people, maybe, um, and I'm able to increase their revenue, uh, you know, a quarter million dollars in a year. That's a massive amount of business for that company. Absolutely. And, and that's something that, you know, that, that's where partnerships and, and relationships are developed and, and forged, right? Is whenever the, the help goes both ways. And that, that was the thing that we could offer them. I couldn't offer them gigantic orders, but I could offer them the ability to move the needle uh, in, in a way that actually mattered to them. And how did you, how were you able to, I was going to say prove that, but, but what kind of track record did you have at that time that you could show as an example? Literally none. Um, I remember the first time I ran into an account that uh, where the guy didn't just, you know, say yes. <laughs> and um, it, it was, it was one of those things and it was the, it was the uh, mountain climber product, right? I was telling you about the supplement for mountain climbers. Okay. And, so I reached out to him and I, you know, I, I said, uh, I, you know, I'd like to open an account with you guys. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, we, we don't need more Amazon sellers, man. Like not at all. We have, we have uh, four or five great sellers right now um, that, that pretty much just handle it for us. And I don't see why taking business away from them would, would be a good idea. And I was like, no, I definitely understand that. And I was like, and, and for what it's worth they're you know, all those sellers, I've heard of them. They all sound like great. You know, they all sound great. I know they're, I know they're big companies. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He was telling me about, you know, how big these, these Amazon sellers were. Hmm. And I was like, uh, I was like, no, I, I definitely get it. You know, they have a ton of resources, but here's like five things that I can tell you that are immediately uh, lost opportunity for you right now. Like, you know, you're, you, you don't have enough pictures of you, your title's not optimized. Um, and whether you want to work with me or not, like you can literally just take this to those guys and I'm sure they can get it done for you. Right. But here's the difference is you're just a number to them. Like you're one, you're, you're number 94 on their list of, of brands that they're working with and, and care about. Like to me, you're number one. Like that's the difference is, you know, I'm going to notice all these small things for you because you mean a lot more to me than you do to them. And that's not, you know, a slide against them. It's just, I'm willing to do all this work to, to help you. And, and I would love to work with you. If you don't want it, you know, if you're unable to do that, by all means, take this, and I'm sure that they can get it done, but you know, that's what I'm offering you is I'm offering you the ability uh, to, to put you number one. And that's how I convinced them, you know, and it, it was, I, I wasn't a great, like it wasn't like a smooth sales conversation. It was just being open with people and um, uh, just, just being able to offer to help. Right. And that's, that's ultimately what I did with it. Yeah. And so that's now that's part of what you are helping others develop with the wholesale formula, right? Is this approach, to building these relationships with these brands and wholesalers and other vendors. Is that correct? Exactly. It's, you know, what we teach people to do is we teach people to spot defic deficiency, right? It's, it's, you know, big, be able to look at a listing and say, this is wrong with it and communicate that to somebody and, uh, uh and develop that relationship. That's it. It's, you know, it, there's, there's nothing really uh, incredibly fancy about what we do. We just, uh, try to add value. We we look for ways to help companies grow beyond placing an order, and try to deliver that value to them to 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 win their favor. And then you got to be if you're doing this business, you got to be the type of person who's willing to to get on the phone and make these calls and deal with the rejection and refine your pitch and keep at it. Is that fair? No, it's absolutely critical. Um, 
you know, and it's, it's not always just phone. Like we have, we have some uh, students who, who just utilize email, but it's the same concept. I mean, okay. so realistically you get uh, first for what it's worth, your, your phone, uh, your close rates on the phone are significantly higher than three. So it's, it's much better to be on the phone, but sure. either way, either way you're doing it, you're still getting rejected. And you know, the vast majority of brands, even, even though that, you know, we reach out with, uh, with, with, with great intentions, um, we still get rejected probably 96 or, or not, you know, 94% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely is a numbers game to some extent. For sure. Um, what has been your experience now, you know, this business of obviously you're, you're teaching people how to do it, but this is not, this is not a secret, although not a lot of people know about it, I would say, but my question is, do you feel like or sense that a lot of these brands and vendors are getting bombarded by people with the same message? Or are there always an endless supply of, of brands that need help with products? And so there's always that opportunity. You just got to find it. I think it's a, you know, that's a, that's a two, kind of like that two-part question, right? It's like, yes. Um, uh, yes, I do feel like brands do get bombarded. And that's why it's important to be able to understand how to truly add value, right? And, and that's what sets, separates us in the marketplace. Like there's a lot of people that sell on Amazon and there's a lot, a lot of people that are really, really bad at it. And that, uh, you know, fortunately that makes my job really easy mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, it's not really uh, hard to stand out when you are legitimately able to offer value. And that's, you know, that's what we teach our students. And that's why our students have been incredibly successful it is because, you know, we, we don't teach just try to make money. We teach them to develop relationships and, and to focus on creating a long-term business. And that's, uh, so from that perspective, yeah, it's, you know, it is crowded, uh, but that's what makes our job easier, I think. Yeah. All right. So we, we've touched on some of this, Dan, but where, if I'm interested in this, this whole idea, but where do you recommend somebody get started? Oh, it's just uh, check out our website. Like, uh, we, you know, the wholesaleformula.com and we actually put something together for, for everybody that, you know, your audience. So it's check out the wholesaleformula.com uh, forward slash the how. And what, what are they going to find there? Uh, we have a walkthrough for our entire business model. Like okay. it's, it's just a digestible so people can understand, you know, kind of from front to back what we actually do. And it's absolutely free. And we, we chatted about possibly still starting with retail arbitrage. That, that might be something that's of interest, especially as a side hustle. But what you're teaching people is get directly into the way that you do it now, which is the wholesale business, right? That's, that's what you are helping people do is to start there. Right. You know, that's, but either way, it's, I think Amazon is that opportunity, right? It's, it's the current biggest opportunity out there. And I would encourage people, no matter what, just to get started. Like if, you know, if, if wholesale is really, really intimidating to you, which it shouldn't be. And, and hopefully, you know, if you check out our site, our blog and things like that, like it'll kind of alleviate any fears. But, you know, if, if that's too intimidating, get started with retail arbitrage. Okay, but, right. Because the, at least it gets you understanding the Amazon platform, how it works, and at least some of the basics of it. It'll do that for you. Right. And it's, you know, that's, I think that's a model where the, you know, the, the financial risk just is, uh, is minimalized. Like you can, you could easily test that model for a hundred, a hundred to 200 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. When we were talking about wholesale, generally speaking, what kind of investment are we looking at to get started? We suggest that people have a minimum of $2,000 to get started. Um, and that's just for purchasing products. Okay. Still very, very low, very reasonable. And then would you say that most of your students are starting this as a side hustle or not? Absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's the same. Uh, we, we have the same demographic as what I call just the real world. It's, you know, uh, the vast majority of people that we find are working in jobs that they, uh, you know, that, that they, they're underappreciated in, right? And they're, they're just looking to make extra money. And, and that's how they get started with the, the little side hustles online. And uh, over time, it, it tends to grow. And, and sometimes we've, we've had quite a few people to, to just be able to break free and, and leave their job. But yeah, for sure, the vast majority of our clients are, uh, are employed. Yeah. So I'm always curious as well, I, I asked you about this earlier, what, what it takes to be successful. When you look at 
your students, people you work with who are successful at this and at different levels. Um, you know, we, we talked about the, the sales part of it. You got to be able to be able to pick up the phone and take that rejection and refine your pitch based on your feedback and guidance and education and keep at it. You got to be a person who wants to take action. Uh, what else have you found makes for the stereotypical right person to succeed in this business? What else do you have to have, do you think? Either because I have it innately or I have to develop a particular skill. No, it's um, for us, uh, you know, I mentioned that just the ability to get started earlier, but, but really, uh, you know, another key attribute is the ability to stay started. Like, you know, grit is, is a tough one. And that's being able to deal with re rejection, being able to deal with problems that arise in business because nothing is perfect. Like, you know, regardless of how great your business is, you're going to have problems. Um, and, and particularly whenever you're developing it, like, it, you know, it, you're going to have those days where just nothing goes right. And it's the people who can continue moving forward through that, that actually have success. Because that's, that's, that's where everybody else kind of, uh, kind of fails, right? It, it's, yeah. they meet that level of, of uh, problem, and, and they're just, unable to push themselves through it. So yeah, it's, you know, I think grit is the, it's an absolute necessity in any business. I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say that it applies to any business, Dan, you're giving people, if they choose to, to go with you, a, a blueprint to guide the education. But at the end of the day, you, you got to want it bad enough. You got to want to fight through the obstacles and the setbacks. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, that's what it takes is it takes, because it is a fight. You know, there's a, there's in our lives, there's a million things that tell us uh, that things are, are unsafe. Right. And it's like, you know, this is, this is a really risky decision and, and just turn back. And that's what our whole life tells us. Our, the people around us tell us to avoid risk um, and, and take the say, you know, to take the safe route. So it's, it is, it is hard. It is hard to continue moving forward, but you know, that's that. And that's ultimately why I think that the people who are able to do it are do end up uh, tending to be successful. But, but, you know, just to go back for a moment, you grew up and you had some of those very reservations early in life about the risk of business. Why do you think you've been able to so successfully overcome that? Or maybe it's not overcoming, it's just that you have it and you, you move forward anyway, right? We all have those fears, but we have to have the courage to do it anyway. Why do you think that's been such a big uh, change in your life? Or maybe it wasn't. Tell me a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, realistically, I'm like, I'm a confident person and I believe in my abilities, but, but to say I wasn't scared and, you know, and, and that I didn't, you know, cry, cry, you know, sometimes and, and cry, you know, cry myself to sleep because I was terrified Yeah, would be, would, would be a lie. Like I've, I've been there. I've been absolutely scared out of my mind and, and it's just, you, I don't know. It, it's just the ability to keep doing right. It's, it's, you know, just because things don't go right. I'm not a very um, results oriented person. Like I'm a very process oriented person by, by, by nature. Like I'm a gamer. I play, uh, I, you know, I play magic the gathering. I play poker and stuff like that. So it's, you know, I'm a pretty analytical person, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's just the ability to, 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 know despite you know things going wrong that, that you're on the right path um so and, and being process oriented more than results oriented i think has really played a big part in it yeah me. that makes sense all right thanks for sharing that dan all right is there a, a book that i'm always looking for book recommendations there's a book that comes to mind that you would recommend it's like crazy because i've read so many books and i always uh you know there's there's so many but but really you know one of the ones that i truly love and i think helps a lot of people is is a book called ready fire aim mm. uh, by michael masterson and you know it's just it, it's a book about just taking action and about uh, getting started so because you are more process and analytical do you sometimes have uh, that i i have this challenge of overanalyzing instead of taking action or have you overcome that or you think you have a balance on that um, I've always pushed myself to just make fast decisions. Right. And so it's, I, I've, I've definitely overcome that. Like I don't, you know, I don't, uh, overanalyze anymore. I, I, that used to be a problem for me, but, but no, I, I've really kind of just pushed myself into making decisions. And there's a, you know, the, the rationale behind that is the vast majority of decisions that you make won't kill you. 
Like, you know, if, if something goes wrong, you're able to pivot and move. Uh, but if, but you know, all the testing and theory in the world will, won't give me that same experience of just doing. So I love to just do and, and learn, from, learn from the mistakes I make along the way, which are a lot. I make a lot of mistakes. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Great perspective. All right, let's uh, wrap it up. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation about getting started with Amazon wholesaling? Uh, the, the opportunity is just massive. And, and you know, whether wholesale is your, is your thing or not, um, just getting started in, in, in you know, I, I think being invested in Amazon right now in some capacity is, uh, is the best opportunity in the world right now. Like Amazon is growing massively. They, uh, there's just so many ways that you can, you can do business through their platform that makes it accessible to everyday people. And that was the problem for, you know, for, for a long time for us is uh, particularly, you know, when I was in college and when I had that first job and, and, and stuff like that is business just wasn't accessible to me. Like I'd ran that eBay business and it would run me ragged just being able to keep up with it. But Amazon makes that accessible for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tell us where you want us to go online to find out more about you and the wholesale formula. Yeah, for sure. Check out the wholesaleformula.com forward slash the how. And, you know, again, that's, you know, that's our website and we have an awesome walkthrough for our, to, to take you through our business model and it'll show you, you know, what that, you know, perpetual motion business looks like and how we're able to, uh, you know, once we establish an account with people are able to just reorder and continue to grow rather than find the, you know, our next source of, of uh, the next item that we're going to be trying to sell. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, Dan. This has been a great conversation. I've learned a heck of a lot. I think some of the key takeaways for me is the first you know, I would have thought that to get into the wholesale business, you had to be a bigger player, a big kind of presence to attract even them answering your call. And I get it that it's not easy. Uh, so that was a big takeaway. And the other thing is how your point about I can get into starting, getting started and learning for a pretty low investment. And I think that has a lot of appeal as well. So thanks for sharing all of that and taking the time to be with me today. Absolutely. Thanks, Henry, for having me on. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was Dan Metters. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also always text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.